G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. If there are two things that are certain in life, it is death and taxes, as they say. We're all due to be filling in our tax forms about now. If that's a prospect that's haunting you or possibly it's daunting you, then uh, stick with us because Gavin Martin, our regular financial advisor, is here to help from Cornerstone Wealth. Well, Gavin, uh, hello. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, Alan. How are you? <laughs> Frightened by my tax return. <laughs> yeah, it can be a scary time. But uh, this, this year, for some reason, um, the ATO is actually not wanting or pressuring people to get their tax returns done as soon as possible. Um, so it's an interesting um, stage this year. Well, that's a funny thing, isn't it? Because... I mean, I, I know in the past when I've been in Australia around this time of year, there are ads on TV saying, fill your form in, send it in now. There's nothing, yeah. is there? Well, there's a bit of that. But um, the way that it works these days, if, if um, you actually complete your return online, there's two different mechanisms they've got this year to do that. But if you use those online mechanisms, it's actually better to wait until early August so that as much of the pre-field information can be completed as possible. If you do it right now, all that information isn't necessarily available. Uh, and so they're actually suggest- suggesting do it in August and, uh, and then you'll get most of it completed for you rather than having to do it manually. How easy is it to do the computer thing? Uh, it's generally pretty easy. It, uh, it's a step-by-step process that you walk through and uh, this year they've introduced an additional version of it uh, in the past, and this year they've got this version called eTax, which is more of the comprehensive online uh, way of submitting your tax return. But they've introduced a new one this year called MyTax, and uh, this is just if you've got very basic details of um, some employment income, some work-related deductions, a little bit of interest or possibly dividends, um, some donations... And, and if that's all you've got, then this simplified my tax version, particularly if you wait until August, might be a really simple way for you to submit your return. Because in some countries that they actually don't do a tax return, I mean, I've, as you know, moved over from New Zealand earlier in the year. In New Zealand, it's all pay as you earn. You don't fill a tax form in unless you've got something weird going on in your life. Uh, most people don't see a tax form from one year to the next. Yeah, it would be an, an ideal scenario to be in, wouldn't it? But uh, in Australia, we've got this um, self-assessment uh, mechanism uh, where the responsibility is put on us to actually submit the tax return. And uh, whilst that enables us some flexibility, um, if we do get audited uh, and we haven't done the right thing, then we could face some penalties. Yeah, we have got that uh, self-assessment mechanism. Yeah. So who should actually complete a form? Um, well, uh, there is a... If you've earned over a certain level or you need to get some money back from the government because you've paid some tax in some way, and that might just be through earning dividends if you're not employed. Um, so if you need to get some money back, if you've um, earned over a certain threshold, and that's $18,000 or a little bit more than that, if you've earned under that, then you, 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 
you generally wouldn't have to. But the ATO has actually got a little questionnaire or a, almost a, uh, an online um, uh, yeah, questionnaire that can, that if you answer all the questions to it, it'll, it'll determine whether you actually need to submit a tax return or not. Uh, and because the low, um, the lowest tax rate, so the no tax rate has been increased from, say, uh, it used to be around $6,000, now it's $18,000. There's a whole lot more people that don't need to actually submit a return. So um, from a purely selfish point of view, as you know, I've moved over from New Zealand, but there are a lot of people who have uh, maybe moved into the country in the last year. Um, I figure it's like hundreds of thousands of people probably have, have paid some tax overseas and some tax here. So if I have paid, for instance less than 18000 in my my time that I've been here, does that then mean that I don't pay any tax? It potentially could, but uh, you've raised a really important <laughs> issue. <laughs> and, uh, I, and, I uh, love the pause there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really challenging one with um, with foreign income and with and living overseas and moving into a, into Australia or a different country because it often gets down to the reciprocal tax arrangements that the, the that Australia has with the various countries and so um and I'm I'm not a tax agent I don't actually do uh, tax returns um but even for those people that do those tax returns um there's um a limited number of people who are fully across all the the international tax regimes, they can actually look them up and just do the research through the um, through the information that's provided by the ATO. Uh, but you really do have to check out each individual circumstance. Very complicated. Yeah, yeah it can be. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the key things then that you should remember? Uh, the key things to remember is when to lodge a tax return. So if you've determined that you do need to lodge one, uh, then uh, the, if you do it yourself, then you need to do it before by the 31st of uh, October 2014, so um, ideally uh, at the, after August or in, in August but before October. You can choose to, if you want to, have a registered tax agent do it for you and if you do that and, you'll, and the tax agent registers but, you know, that, that they're going to do it for you before the end of October, uh, then you've got actually a little bit more time it's up until about May that you need to, um, that registered tax agents can submit your return. So there's a bit more time frame if you, if you go down that track. Um, if you need help with it, you can actually uh, obviously get a registered tax agent to help you with it. You can get family and friends. Or I noticed on the ATO website that there's a whole pool of uh, volunteers that particularly focused on low-income earners that need to submit tax returns. If you need an assistance but don't have... Uh, a lot of um, uh, money to go out and pay for that assistance, then um, look up the ATO website and they've got these list of um, people who are, who are trained but are free and can help you lodging your return. That's a cool idea. It's, it, seems, um, it seems like they're, they're doing everything they can to help you get it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess that's in their vested interest um, to get everything uh, submitted so that they can collect the tax that, that's owed to them. Uh, it, by the way, if you don't submit your tax return within the time frames, and a lot of people don't get it done by the 31st of October, if you actually owe money to the ATO, then you could face some penalties or interest on the money that you owed. Um, but if you actually are owed money, the ATO is going to give you a refund. 
then generally there's no penalty as long as you're um, uh, you know, voluntarily submitting your tax return at some point in the future and you're, you're, um, you know, you're not trying to uh, avoid paying uh, tax or avoid lodging your tax return when the ATO asks you to. Okay, well, let's uh, take a quick commercial break. Uh, the phone lines are open. If you have a question for Gavin, if you're stuck with your tax return or you've got a, a knotty problem, uh, Gavin will do his best to fix it, <laughs> he said, gamely. <laughs> yes. The phone number, of course, is 1-800-880-876, 1-800-880-876. Uh, Matt is standing by to take your calls. He has already said to me uh, that I'm to ask you, Gavin, if you offer a discount for expat Kiwi radio announcers for financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Matt. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll take a break, then we'll come back. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective, 2020. It is indeed, and it's tax time here in Australia, which means uh, that we're joined on the line by Gavin Martin from Cornerstone Wealth, who has some good advice in terms of dealing with tax. If you have a question, we would love to hear from you. You can join the conversation by giving us a call on 1-800-880-876. Young Matt is stood standing by with uh, uh, answering the phones and putting you through to us. So do give him a call and we would love to talk to you. Uh, Gavin, let's do some sort of basic stuff. What is the tax rate? Because that's not a simple answer, is it? <laughs> Hello, Gavin. G'day, Neil. I, uh, sorry, Alan, I think you turned me off slightly. Oh, right. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just asking um, <laughs> about uh, tax rates. Um, it, it's not just a simple, uh, you know, this is what you pay and that's it. The tax rates are quite complex. Uh, yes. Um, uh, so tax rates yeah, this year have changed a little bit. The, the, the key one that uh, most people will be impacted by is the Medicare levy, which has gone up from 1.5% to 2%. So everybody is going to be, everyone who pays tax is going to be paying that extra, you know, half a percent uh, this year. Uh, so be, be wary of that. Uh, the debt levy, um, it's gone uh, through the Parliament. So people earning over $180,000 will be paying an extra 2% for the next three or four years. And, um, uh, yeah, so... Um, over this next coming year, if you're, if you're thinking about budgeting and planning for this, um, this coming financial year, it's important to factor in that you will be paying a little bit more tax or most people will be paying more tax. And also on top of that, for those people or those families um, that receive family tax benefit, they might be impacted by some of the changes there as well, particularly if you're in the uh, earning or your family earnings are around the hundred dollars to $150,000 there could be significant um, reduction in the amount of family tax benefit that you receive. So we need to think about as you're starting the financial year to factor in these uh, types of changes. Superannuation is is in there as well. That's Does that add some complication to it? Uh, yes, yeah, superannuation has not changed significantly um, as a result of the, the May budget. But the key thing and the, probably the, one of the most valuable strategies that we as financial advisors implement you know, day in, day out that saves thousands of dollars for, for clients is salary sacrificing to super. And the key thing that's different this new financial year is that those people who were, were 49 or more on the 30th of June 2014, um, they have 
a contribution limit of $35,000. So they can put money into their, or put um, tax concessional money into um, your superannuation. And generally, for every $10,000 that your salary sacrifice into super, it saves around $2,000 in tax. So it's, it's probably the key change that, it, you know, at the start of the financial year, think about if you're over 50, should I be actually increasing the amount of salary sacrifice to my super? Can that boost my retirement savings and save me some additional tax? So that's definitely one, one key thing to think about. So the idea behind that is, is presumably to, to get us to, to save a bit more for our, for our retirement. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 it increases your savings because you're putting more into your superannuation, uh, but it also increases your, um, it twofold because you're actually saving tax at the same time. Mm. So it's, it's a really good way to go. If you don't have sufficient funds to actually, uh, you might need that 10 grand of, of income. Um, if you're over 55, then you could potentially draw some money from your super Tax, or tax-free or for a limited amount of tax uh, to compensate that. And that's called the transition to retirement strategy and it's one of the most effective strategies for those over 55 to implement as they're um, able to start to boost their retirement savings. Mm. Um, the phone lines are open, 1-800-880-876. Uh, Ray from South Australia didn't want to, go, didn't want to come online, uh, but he wanted to ask, how do you avoid tax scams at this time of year? He doesn't use the internet, but he's always hearing about scammers pretending to be the ATO. Uh, and this, is, in fact, is a story we covered last week on 2020, talking to uh, the cybercrime unit uh, in Brisbane, um, where someone phones up, they claim to be the ATO, they somehow have got hold of, of your tax file number. So Ray says, what's the easiest way to ensure that you're safe without using the internet? Without using the internet, if you're not going to go down that track, then you need to complete a paper-based form. And I think that's probably the most uh, secure method, really, to fill out a paper-based form, post it to the ATO. And I, I think Ray's got you know very limited potential for for fraud occurring in that scenario there there are more issues around um, people sharing uh, date of birth addresses tax file numbers via social media um, and and those kind of mechanisms that is the greater risk so ray being an offline person in terms of tax i think he's going to have you know uh, a very secure um uh, you know, tax mm. sub- submission. Uh, whereas those people that are very, I guess, uh, online, um, uh, submitting things online, doing everything online, they've got more potential for um, uh, fraud to occur. And uh, uh, you might have some more to add to that based on your conversation from last week, Alan. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that um, uh, the, the police were saying to us was uh, if it looks dodgy, then it probably is dodgy. Um, and that you should never give, basically, you should never give information to anybody who phones up and asks for it. And uh, their advice was, if someone phones up and says, what's your tax file number, you should say to them, give me your request in writing. Because if it's important enough for me to give you my tax file number, then it's important enough for you to write to me. Yes, I even do that for telephone companies that call me because um, I don't know who the person is that's ringing in. So I think that's a it's a great tip. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there also are uh, I guess scams online about people 
receiving emails that are supposed to be have coming from the ATO and you're supposed to action something and obviously they're trying to get your personal details, steal your, your details so that they can then go and uh, do something um, you know, fraudulent with it. So, yeah, be, be very wary. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about, you mentioned family tax benefit. Um, now, again, that, that sounds complicated. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so family tax benefit is um, a mechanism for the, I guess, the government to uh, support families as they're raising children. And so there's uh, two sides of it. One's the Family Tax Benefit Part A and one's Family Tax Benefit Part B. And um, they're looking at uh, eliminating uh, Part B, at least, for those, those families that earn over $100,000. It used to be $150,000. Uh, and so there, there is a, a potential for, for people to lose about $4,000 of benefit there. Wow. Um, uh, there's not a great deal you can do to change your eligibility to family tax benefit is basically whatever your scenario is uh, they'll just pay you based on your earnings and how many kids you've got and how old they are so there's not a lot of strategy you can put around family tax benefit but the important thing there is to um, uh, focus on making sure that if you do have uh, children that you've um, requested the family tax benefit that you're actually on the uh, Department of Human Services um, uh, list to actually receive it. Uh, there used to be different ways of claiming it. it. Used to be through your tax return, and then you've got then you had to do it directly. Um, but just make sure that if you do have kids, that you actually have submitted your details uh, to them and requested it, because sometimes you can miss out on it if you don't. Mm. Now, if you're on the age pension, um, mm. obviously your your income will be be lower than maybe it was when you were earning in the workforce. Mm. How does that, is that a, a different scenario again? Uh, yes, the age pension, um, all the announcements about it uh, from the May budget really uh, focused on um, all the major changes were, were pushed out to 2017. So there's not a lot of significant changes. Uh, the one that... Um, what was announced that has gone through is uh, the increase in the age pension is going to um, reduce. So they're going to increase it based on the inflation rate rather than on wages. And that the inflation rate is generally a lower figure than wages. Um, and so your pension over time is going to increase at a slower rate. Um, and uh, the other thing for those people that are on government benefits, and it might be the age pension, it might be another benefit is that if they're over 55, um, you could actually make sure that you've got your superannuation money in the pension phase of super before the end of the calendar year because on the 1st of January 2015, the government is going to start to deem those um, uh, pensions started after that date. Uh, and deeming just means that they the Centrelink or the, or the government assumes a certain rate of earnings on the money. Currently, they, they don't do that. So for those people in that scenario, they're eligible for some form of government benefit. Um, starting a pension or moving as much as their, of their resources into the pension phase of superannuation before the end of the calendar year, it could be advantageous over the longer term. 
sounds like on something like that, it would be a good idea to talk to an advisor rather than having a guess yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You could speak to somebody about it or, or, there's, or search on the internet for starters and then if you need to speak to somebody, then, then, then seek out an advisor. Yeah. Uh, we should also mention there, there is a um, – the ATO has a 24-hour individuals tax self-help hotline rolls off the tongue, which is 132865. Uh, so presumably you can you can ring them up and and ask for ask for help if you get stuck. Yeah, it's just a matter of how long you you wait online for, for that uh, person to answer. But that is is a great resource. Yeah. Well, they probably call earlier in the morning. Rather yeah, than, uh, three in the morning is a good time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and of course you can always go to the tax office uh, uh, website www.ato.gov. Dot au and you'll find a whole load of uh, of links there. Uh, as uh, Matt says in the booth next door, if you're phoning the helpline, have a cup of tea ready. <laughs> you may need it. <laughs> okay, well, let's take uh, another break. We've got uh, word for today coming up in uh, and a couple of ticks, and then we'll come back and we'll chat some more. So our guest on the program is Gavin Martin from uh, Cornerstone Wealth, and we are talking about tax returns. Ah, you're listening to 2020. It's uh, Alan Lee on the Vision Network across Australia. We are dealing with the subject of tax because our guest on the program is uh, Gavin Martin from Cornerstone Wealth. And uh, if you have any questions about tax, what you need to do, uh, what frightens you about the form, uh, anything we can help with, give Gavin a call now. 1-800-880-876 is a free call. And we would love to hear from you as you join in the conversation. Uh, let's go to a bigger picture, Gavin, and talk a little bit about, I guess, the, the financial foundations. I mean, as as Christians, we have an uneasy relationship with money, don't we? It, it's um, Do we own it? Do we own the possessions that we have? Or, you know, as we say in the Anglican Church, you know, all things come from you, O Lord, and of your own do we give you. If they come from God, they're his, not ours. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a fundamental uh, question. And uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of people referring to the, to the three M's before, but some, three of the biggest decisions we make in our life are uh, our master, who are we going to serve, uh, our, our money, um, or how are we going, what's our vocation, how are we going to generate uh, income, and, and our mate, and, and who, who are we going to marry, or are we going to marry. So they're the three big sort of life decisions. But then another question to ask is, what are our big questions when it relates to our finances? And, and I believe they boil down to probably three big questions. And the first one is that ownership issue that you uh, just mentioned there, Alan. The other question is about debt and how we use debt and um, uh, whether we use it, how much we use it. And then the final question is really about giving. What's our approach to giving? Do we give it all? Do we give a certain amount? Um, um, you know, are we flexible in, in, in what we give? And so I think these three questions, ownership, debt and giving, are the equivalent of the three M's for, for life. Um, and, and I think it's important because they have such a big impact on how we live our lives uh, uh, beyond that. I mean, ownership is is a is a, a difficult one to start with. My my cousin David, and I know he won't mind me talking about him, and he's in New Zealand, so he won't know I'm talking about him anyway. But my cousin Dave, um, he worked as a missionary in Calcutta for oh, a number of years, and when he came back, his entire attitude to money and possessions was different it was just something that was there if it all went tomorrow then he lived in a country where he would be looked after and so 
he was what the rest of us, the rest of the family, sometimes viewed as reckless because in the end the money didn't matter. And he said, look, it's owned by God. I'm going to do these things that I want to do because this is what I think God wants me to do and he'll make it work. I, I mean, that's a that's a very um, relaxed attitude to it, but the rest of us all held up, <laughs> held our hands up in horror. Uh, I mean, what is the right way to approach things like that? Yeah, it's a really challenging one, uh, isn't it? Because often you you come back from a from countries that are a lot poorer than Australia, being one of the wealthiest uh, countries in the world. If you look at our our um, unemployment benefits, and you compare that to um, there's this little calculator. I can't remember the website, but maybe we can find it later. That actually. If you put your income level into that, um, it will show you where you sit on the income spectrum around the world. And even somebody who receives, you know, a thousand dollars a year in income still sits at the highest forty percent of people um, uh, around the world. So c- coming back from from the mission field back to a, a first world country like Australia or New Zealand uh, does make us feel like uh, we don't really need to worry too much about finances and, and God will provide it, and, and he does. Um, but the harder question, I think, is to ask about, well, if I've got a little bit of resources or I've got a lot of resources, what does God want me to do with that? Because often we, you know, if you if you're giving answer, your answer to how you deal with giving is that I give 10% or I give X amount, and then the other 90% is mine, I think the bigger question is what, rather than saying that other 90% or whatever percentage it is, is mine. I think the bigger question is, and it's the same question for your cousin Dave as it is for you and for me or for the, um, you know, the billionaire down the road, um, what does God want me to do with that other 90%? And I think that's the key thing around ownership. Um, it's not about... I own this and I can just choose to do what I want. But with every single purchase, it could almost be a spiritual decision. Um, what does God want me to do with this particular resource? And I think that's the key about ownership. You're handing over every single possession, bank account. Uh, you're handing it all over to him and saying, this is yours. I'm just in uh, a manager of it. I'm a steward of it at the moment. What do you want me to do with that? And that's the key change in mentality, I think, that... that um, we need to have as Christians. That's interesting, isn't it? Because that, that's like a, it's almost like we have a tendency to say, okay, look, I tithe. There's God's 10%. I can do what I like with the rest. But actually, yeah. that's not the case. Yeah, it's not about the 10%. It's about the, the yeah. probably more important about the 90%. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And it's the same for Dave. It's the same for somebody who's got less than Dave. It's got the same for somebody who's got a lot more than Dave. It's, yeah, mm. it's a, it's a universal thing. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about debt. Um, which is something that uh, we all try not to have, but inevitably we all do, even if it's just the mortgage on the house. But uh, most people owe something to to someone. Um, how can you use debt? Yeah, so debt is really important because most people uh, think that they um, spend what they earn. But the reality is that generally we spend more or less. That is, we're either going into debt, going into more debt as we live, or we're reducing our debt or, and, and, save, and saving money. Uh, and so generally, it's very few people that just break even. They're not going into more debt or less debt. Uh, and so it's a really 
fundamental question. And if you look through uh, Scripture, um, it doesn't talk about debt in a positive light at all. It's basically saying that if you're in debt, try and get out of it as soon as possible. Uh, the borrower's servant to the lender. Um, and so when I went down this journey about working out how much debt to have um, and whether we should use debt at all, if you look at the likes of um, uh, Spurgeon and some other um, great theologians, they actually said that debt was a sin we should never get into it. And that's not a bad approach to take. Um, but uh, if you look at Scripture, it doesn't say that debt's a sin. It is actually um, just good not to be in it too much or, and to get out of it as soon as you possibly can. Uh, so then the key is then, if, if debt isn't a sin, then the question for us as individuals, how much debt do we allow ourselves to have? And then what do we use it for? Um, do we use it for just the family home or do we use it for consumables? Um, do we use uh, credit cards? Do we have overhanging credit card balances? And so it's a really fundamental question because it really has a long-term impact on how you live your life. Um, a, a classic example is that do you wait on God to provide for you for a particular item or thing that you're trying to save towards? Or uh, do I just put it on the credit card um, and take control myself? And so that's a big question to and sometimes I think we need to use the use the card, or um, but often I think we err on the side of not waiting on God for the purchase to be enabled in another way. It's very easy the card, isn't it? It's just you know, particularly now with the pay pass, you just hold your card up and ping, it's gone <laughs> without even thinking about it. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, is, is there is it realistic these days to to not be in debt? Particularly with Australian property price, it is, it, it is very difficult, um, particularly for first homeowners, to get into the market without debt. Uh, I've met a few couples over the years. I used to do marriage uh, preparation courses, and uh, there was one couple in that course who uh, were just about to get married. Um, they'd both been, uh, I think, uh, owned a home, and within about 18 months of marriage, they were going to be out of debt. Um, but it's very rare for that sort of thing to happen these days and often you need to use debt at least for the family home but I guess one thing that you need to consider particularly early on is um, what are you going to use debt for uh, there, there's no real specifics from a biblical perspective but you can put some fundamentals in place like um, only borrow for things that are going to go up in value don't put too much uh, don't take out so much debt or have so much debt that it's going to put undue stress um, on the family. And uh, relating to that, uh, the third one is um, having sufficient equity or in the thing that you're, you're borrowing um, so that uh, if it does go down in value that you're not going to be uh, owing something. So the classic thing there is you buy a house for $500,000 and you borrow all of it and then it goes down in value to $400,000, then afterwards you're going to owe the bank still $100,000. Whereas if you had a 20% deposit or $100,000 to start with, and then it went down in value, then if you needed to sell, you wouldn't be having an outstanding debt. So mm. there's a few debt principles uh, that uh, I guess you can potentially think about whether you want to adopt those into the future. What about giving? Because there is... Um there's a tax side to giving, of course, as well. But but 
you know, in terms of, of we talked about the 10 percent, the, the traditional tithe. Um, but but is, is there a, a sort of a, a biblical amount to give? There's an author called Randy Alcorn that I think I've mentioned a few mm. times, and he's um, uh, he's written a range of books on a range of topics. But one of them was um, money, possessions, and um, I think it's theology, money, possessions, and eternity. Sorry, is what he's called it. And he calls tithing the training wheels of giving, and the whole principle is that. Um, uh, if you want to start giving, if you want to take that approach, um, then just try the 10%. But he says that that's just the training wheels. Then if, if you really want to experience what it's like um, uh, to, to give um, and stretch yourself, then you go beyond the 10%. And sure, that's harder for people on lower incomes uh, and easier for those on higher incomes. But 10% is a good starting point and a great way to you know, structure your finances um, in, in a regular and, um, I guess, methodical uh, type way. But, uh, yeah, treat it as the training wheels of giving because you see those people that go beyond the 10% and uh, they experience, you know, um, you know amazing things um, in, in, in both provision and the fact that they continue to um, uh, be provided uh, more resources uh, to be able to then utilise those uh, for good as well. So... Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. But the key question is um, deciding up front um, h- how are you going to structure things. And at the start of the financial year, it's a new financial year, why not think about how you're going um, to give this financial year? And, of course, as far as giving is concerned and tax, you can actually claim, claim some tax back, which gives you more to give. Yeah, exactly. So the likes of charitable organisations and Vision Radio is, is, is that sort of organisation. You can mm. give to them and get a tax deduction. And, and that's a really effective thing, particularly if you receive bonuses throughout the year and you can reduce the tax that you would pay on those bonuses. Um, but there is a... Uh, if you're giving to the local church, generally that's not tax deductible. So um, I think it's great to do the tax deductible giving, but uh, at the same time we can't... Uh, if we want to support our local churches um, that, that aren't generally tax-deductible organisations, we can't do all our giving through the, the, a tax-deductible mechanism um, like they can in the United States where all giving to church organisations is, is considered a tax deduction. So to sum up, we'll go back to, to tax because our time's nearly, nearly up. Um, yeah. So to, to sum up, what's your advice to people who are now thinking, okay, it's tax time. Bearing in mind all we've spoken about today, what should I do? Uh, Perfect time to uh, get your financial house in order. Uh, Make sure you've got all your receipts and um, records, your pay-as-you-go statements, your payment summaries. Have them all in line, ready to go, so that if you're using the online mechanism uh, at the start of August, get your tax return uh, submitted. Then that's a good basis for then to decide when you've got your tax return back, you can then plan the next year ahead and start to think about, should I be putting some other strategies in place to reduce my tax, like salary sacrifice, um, uh, particularly to, to superannuation, and thinking more broadly about the year ahead, 
what are the changes to my circumstances going forward and then how should I then structure things? And that then can relate to those fundamental questions that we asked. If I've got some surplus money, what am I going to do with it? Uh, am I going to put it towards saving? Am I going to give some more? Am I going to invest some more? And uh, really answer all those sorts of questions uh, moving into the, the new financial year. Cool. Gavin, it's always good to talk to you. I feel slightly less daunted now. I might even by sometime in August be ready to have a go at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give it a go, I think. All right, mate. Thank you very much indeed. It's lovely to talk to you. Yeah, likewise, Alan. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Gavin Martin then from Cornerstone Wealth. If you would like to check out what he's talking about, you can go to their website, www.cornerstonewealth, or one word, .com.au. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.